Good morning, everyone. We are so glad that you're here to worship with us this morning. It's so glad that we can have technology to be able to connect uh, with everyone. Uh, my name is Alex, and I'm the pastor here at Ridgeview Church. And I'm really excited that we get to dig into God's word together. Uh, the reason I'm excited is not because of anything that we can do on our own, but when we open God's word together, he speaks to us. And I believe that he speaks to what we need to hear, what we need to do, the ways that we need to react to our current circumstances. And we started this series a few weeks ago called Lives and Letters. And we've been looking at letters in the New Testament and asking the question, how can we take something that was written thousands of years ago and apply it to our life? And if you're like me, that seems like something crazy. How could that work? How could that be something that could find relevance for us today? But what you find is, is when you dig into the word of God, there is always something that he's doing through his power to connect exactly what we need to hear and what we need to do to our lives. And so when we started this series, we had no idea what we'd be facing as a church, we'd be facing in our lives, in, as a community, as a country, and really globally, none of this happened. And this pandemic that we're experiencing, none of this was going on when we started, but it's been so fascinating to see the last couple of weeks as we have looked into the word of God how he has spoken to us and really cut through to our heart to exactly what we need to hear. And so today we're gonna be looking at a letter written by Peter to some early Christians. And these early Christians uh, faced circumstances that are even beyond what we're facing now. They were experiencing suffering and persecution, but despite what they faced, the truth that he told them 2,000 years ago is the same truth that we can take with us Today And so in this series, we've been looking at this big question. How can we take the word of God and bridge it to our lives here and now? And so we're looking at bridging letters written in the past to our lives today. And the way that you do that is you actually have to take time to engage with the word of God. Now, for some of you, you might be intimidated by the Bible. It might be something that you didn't grow up reading. You might be new to opening the scriptures for yourself. But I wanna encourage you, all it takes is a willingness to learn and God will speak. And so I wanna speak this morning about kind of some of the steps we can do to begin to build that bridge and allow God to speak to us. And so the first thing is what we've been doing each week is let's get curious. Let's look at this letter written. And so the first thing is uh, getting curious. Um, how do we find out information about the author? And so to find that out, oftentimes you just have to start in the beginning of the letter, and that's where you get the information. And so uh, the author is Simon Peter, who was a close disciple of Jesus Christ. And Simon Peter was a fisherman, and he met Jesus, and Jesus said, come and follow me. Leave your job. Leave everything comfortable to you. Come and follow me, and I will make you a fisher of men. So he saw up close and personal Jesus' life. He was a witness to his teaching. He was a witness to his crucifixion. He was a witness to his resurrection. And so Peter has authority, and he's writing to a specific audience. The recipients of this letter in 1 Peter are non-Jewish Christians in modern-day Turkey. And like what we read last week in the book of James, uh, these are, are Christians that are scattered, experiencing situations and circumstances that were unknown, unprecedented for their time. How do we these early Christ followers, we're trying to figure out what that means. How do we live this new life as a follower of Christ? How do we explain this to our family, to our friends? 
How does this new calling that we have translate into all the different aspects of life? And so Peter is writing with that in mind, but like I mentioned, they are experiencing some very difficult circumstances. So here's the occasion to which Peter is writing. Peter aims to encourage these Christians to endure suffering and persecution. They were facing things beyond what we would even understand or fathom today in the United States. We may have experienced some persecution or some pressure for being a Christian, but these people that Peter is writing to experienced so much opposition. As early Christians, as you can imagine, the pressure on them to try to figure out what this new normal was was immense in itself. But then having a culture that opposed them, that hated them, added just difficulties beyond what I can even understand. But Peter is writing this letter to give encouragement to them, to give perspective. And I hope that the same encouragement that he gives, the same perspective, the same way that he tells them to keep moving forward in their relationship with Jesus, I hope today that that you will get a sense of God uh, speaking uh, to you as well. And we're gonna talk a lot about one of the themes that appear again and again in a book, this book, in this letter. And it's a word called calling. And again and again, Peter talks about calling. He talks about being called. He talks about the call to which God has given you. And there's this theme that appears again and again. And there's something to that, which I think speaks to the circumstances that we find ourselves. Now, I don't know if you've ever been given assignment before. I remember the first leadership assignment I was ever given was in sixth grade. And I became the soccer, uh, I became the coach of our soccer team. And this, this team was kind of like a bunch of misfits. We were not the greatest team in the world. There was an A team and a B team. The A team had all of my friends and I wanted to be on that team. And my teacher at the time, who was also the soccer coach, came and said, hey, Alex, I need you to be the captain of this B team. And I just remember looking at him and saying, well, I, I wanna be on the, the A team. That's where all my friends are. That's where all the good players are. That's where I wanna be. And he just looked at me in my eyes and said, but I need you to take on this assignment. I need you to pull this team together and I need you to lead. And I remember as a sixth grader kind of rising up and thinking, you know what? I can do this. I can be this captain. I can take this assignment and I'm gonna do as best as I can. We did not win one game, I might add, but I sure got experience of what it means to lead forward. And the reason I did is because I was given a specific assignment. I was given a role to play. I was given a mission. And Peter, in his letter, is doing the same thing for these Christians. You have been given a calling from God. He has called you to a greater purpose, and he invites them to live with that in mind. And so one of the kind of the overarching premises of a calling and an assignment and of a mission is focusing on who we are. And the fact is, is when you know who you are, you will know what to do. Let me say that again. When you know who you are, you will know what to do. If you're like me, so many times in my life, I focus on all the what's, all the specifics, all the details, all the tasks And in the middle of all that, I can just be running around feeling like a chicken with its head cut off where I just have no direction. And I'm busy and I'm more busy and I'm overwhelmed. And there's times where I need to slow down. What am I doing? Where am I headed? What's the purpose for which I'm doing today? What am I, my life about here and now? And Peter is reminding Christians everywhere at every period, do not forget who you are because who you are determines what you do. 
Now, part of this calling, if you've decided to follow Christ, God has called you to a specific purpose. And this purpose is to represent him in the world. This purpose is to live in a new way. This purpose is to live with this calling that you've been given to every relationship and every circumstance that you find yourself. If you're investigating what it means to be a Christian, I wanna encourage you today to really listen to the description of Christianity, this description that Peter's giving. This is the picture of what it means to follow Jesus. You may be from a position of like, you're just wanting to learn more. What does this mean to be a Christian? You may be skeptical, not sure you can trust Jesus. You may be overwhelmed by all the changes that would need to take place in your life. And again, I think all those concerns we have to face, we have to wrestle with, we have to ask questions. But at the end of the day, we can again focus so much on the what that we can miss the who. And Peter describes through his letter again and again, the different people that we become when we decide to follow Jesus. So let's dig into the letter together. Let's look at these scriptures and really ask God to speak to us. And so when you answer, let's begin here. When you answer the call to follow Christ, you are first and foremost born again and you have new life. Now, being born again is a phrase that you find in the scriptures and it's kind of counterintuitive. How can we be born again? Well, it's speaking specifically to being born again spiritually. For all of us, we have all sinned and decided to go our own way. I think we could all admit that. We've messed up. We've missed the mark. We've said something we shouldn't have said. We've done something we shouldn't have done. And that's what sin is. Well, sin is actually an grievance against God. And because of that, we're facing judgment. It's separated us from God because God is perfect. He is holy. Our sin has actually put this divide between us and him. And there's this debt that weighs on us. And so spiritually, we are dead. And we don't experience the life that God has. We're in the darkness. We can't really experience the hope because we're disconnected from the creator, from God himself. And so what Peter's describing here is this, this idea that although you're spiritually dead, the person that he walked with and knew Jesus Christ, he has enabled us to be born again. Although we're dead spiritually, Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sin. And so while that sin has separated us, Jesus came and lived a perfect life. In his perfect life, he was accused, he was ridiculed, and eventually he was crucified on the cross. There was no sin that he ever committed. There's no grievance that he had ever done against anyone but he died for us to pay the penalty for our sin. And he took that judgment and the weight of the sin upon himself and he died so that we could experience new life. The good news is though, is that his death was not the end of the story. While he paid the price and he died, Peter reminds us that that's not where it ends. Let's look back at that scripture, 1 Peter 1, 3. I'll praise to God, the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is by his great mercy that we have been born again. Now check this out. Because, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, now we live with great expectation. So the beginning of this idea that Peter wants us to get is who we are called to be is people that live as if we have been saved. Why can we live like that? Because we have been. We've been saved by the penalty of our own sin. We're no longer dead spiritually. We've been raised to life just like Jesus was. Because although Jesus took 
the sin of the world upon him, and he was killed and crucified and put in the tomb. Three days later, he rose again. And in two weeks, that's what we're gonna be celebrating, the fact that Jesus rose again. And so for you to follow Christ, when you decide he's your leader and that the penalty that he paid for your sin, when you accept that payment and when you decide I'm gonna follow him because he's allowed me to be born again, when you decide to accept that, that's when you become a Christian. And when you make that that step towards him, that's when you become born again and you can experience new life. So what Peter's saying is although these Christians were facing just an overwhelming sense of pressure and persecution and suffering, he begins with this, this premise, like you cannot forget who you are. You are born again, someone who was dead and is now alive, and you have an opportunity to live like that. It just doesn't end there. Peter develops his point further, and he talks about the fact that when you decide to follow Christ, you're also not only born again and raised to a new life, you're actually given a new identity and a new family. So you're not just born again and you, you have life. You're called to something specific. Now, identity is a powerful thing. And that's why, again, Peter is starting with this who, because who you are, your identity, the way that you see yourself, that determines a lot of your life. I don't know about you. Have you ever been called a name or someone has ridiculed you or put a label on you that, that you did not want? And we, we have that, that rhyme when we were a kid, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but what, finish it? Names will never hurt me. But that is not true, right? I've been called some things in my life that actually crushed me from the inside out. When I was in sixth grade, a popular movie came out in the late 80s, Batman. And I remember I used to love Batman, and I remember my parents got me this Batman shirt. And I used to wear this shirt around with just this great pride of like, wow, Batman, he was so cool. What a great hero he was, superhero. And I remember one day I was wearing this out in the neighborhood and I'm walking, just minding my own business. And some teenagers came and they're riding their bike. And, you know, anytime you see teenagers when you're a little bit younger, I got a little nervous and they started coming around. And at the time I was in England and they started to kind of circle around like, you know, sharks on the attack. And I just felt like prey, like, oh dear, what is gonna happen? And they're like, oh, nice, nice shirt. Batman, more like fat man. Na, 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 fat man. And they just kept saying it and saying it. And I just kept walking and like, leave, leave me alone. And all of a sudden I just burst into tears. Now I know this may not translate on camera, but isn't that one of the saddest things you've ever heard? And at the time, I was crushed to the core. And I remember walking home, bawling like a baby. And I opened the door and I'm just wailing. <laughs> and my dad comes to me and he says, what? Like a dad, like, what, what's wrong with you? <laughs> what, is, what is wrong with you? And I said, these boys called me fat man. And, and I, I was chubby. And I probably, you know, was so insecure and there was so much going on in my life. And they just struck me right to my core and just cut me open. I remember my dad talking to me and calling me forward. And he says, are you going to be upset because what do these boys call you? They don't define who you are. God defines who you are. You need to toughen up and realize that you can't let anyone label you something. That's not who you are. And I remember just kind of wiping the tears and just my dad calling me forward. And this is the same thing that, that Peter is doing. He's saying we can be called many things. We could have done many things in our life. And these things can become scars. 
They can become labels. They can become these things that define us. What Peter is saying is when you decide to follow Christ, the things that you've done, the things that you regret, the sins that you have, that is not who you are. You're born again. You have new life. And not only that, but you have this new identity and a new family. And here's how he describes it. First Peter 2.9, for you are a chosen people. You are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Now again, who you are determines what you do. And what Peter is saying is you have been given new title. You've been given a new identity. You have a new role to play. And here's some of the things. The first is you're a part of a new family. You've been given a new title. You're part of this royal family, and God is your king. Not only that, but he cares for you. He's watching over you. And so you've been given this identity as someone made in the image of God with a specific role to play on this earth. And so Peter, in all the midst of everything that he was going on, he was writing this letter from Rome, and him himself was experiencing terrible persecution. He's writing to these scattered Christians who are experiencing the same persecution, But notice he doesn't start with what they are to do. He starts with who they are. And again, it's that identity which will make a difference because who you are determines what you do. Now, there's a third calling that he reminds all of the early followers, and it's the same calling that he wants to remind us about today. And God wants us to get this. Not only are we born again and have new life, And we're given a new identity and a new family, but we're actually set apart to live differently. Now, this is where we can discover the purpose. Again, the who, the the role, the identity, our new sense of belonging, our new sense of who we are leads to now the different type of life that we live. And so I just wanna kind of, we're gonna read a lot of scriptures in this next section because I really want you to get the sense of of what this means that we can do, how we can respond, the type of attitudes that we, we have, the type of words that we speak, the type of actions uh, that we do. Now, at the time, I wanna just give you a brief summary of, of I guess, why Christians were, were so hated. Part of the why is that the enemy, Satan himself, did not want Christianity to succeed. He didn't want people to follow Christ, to experience this new life, to experience this new calling on their lives. He wanted to keep people in darkness. So supernaturally, that's really the big picture that's going on. This movement was wanting to be squelched. But culturally, and with the different authorities at the time, uh, they hated the Christ followers. And they actually saw them, these were a lot of just the kind of ideas about Christianity in the beginning, that they were a superstitious bunch. They saw Jesus as this miracle worker that was maybe somewhat like a magician. And therefore, all of his followers are just following this magician. And so they just saw that, like, these Christ followers, this superstitious bunch, they, they can't be trusted. Some people thought they were incestuous because they would have these, these things called agape feasts, which is a love feast, which meant let's gather together in the love of Jesus Christ and let's encourage one another. But people would hear this love feast and think, like, what are they doing together? And they would call each other their brother and sister in the Lord. And so people began to think, like, are these brothers and sisters, and they're having this love feast, and they begin to put these labels, like not only are they superstitious, but they're incestuous, and they, didn't, they couldn't be trusted. And then a third thing that they thought is that they were, they were 
cannibals. These people eat themselves, and they, they went back to this teaching that Jesus said at the Last Supper before he was crucified. Take my body and break it and eat this in remembrance of me. And Jesus is actually foretelling of his crucifixion, of what would happen when he was died on the cross and when he was risen from the dead. But at this time, all they thought was like, let's find all the evidence we can to come against these people. Now for us today, most people don't see Christians as that. Again, this was happening right as the movement was starting. But over time, we're put in our own categories. People see Christians as being judgmental, irrelevant, unloving, bigots, however the title is in a certain situation in a certain place. And you may yourself, if you're a Christ follower, you may have experienced some opposition. I think most of us in this country have ex- haven't experienced it in the same way these early Christians did in modern-day Turkey. But there's people in the world right now whose lives are being taken to follow Christ. And so this is the same. It's the same today as it, as it was then. There's this, this sense of, you know what, we need to to live differently despite the pressures that are on us. We need to live differently, not because we're special people, but because we've been called to a greater uh, purpose. And this is some of the reminders that that Peter wanted to give. And again, I'm gonna read through quite a few scriptures and follow along and and just kind of in your mind, ask yourself, what what, what, like stands out to me? 1 Peter 2, 11 through 12. Just read these words and this wisdom. It says, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners. Notice again, he's giving their calling. You're not of this world. This is not where you live. This is not where you reside. This is not what your life is all about. You're temporary residents. You're a foreigner here. You're passing through. So keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. Very interesting in that scripture, you see this word honor come again and again. Be careful that you can live honorable lives so that as you live honorable lives, people will honor God. And I love that picture because so many times, isn't that just hard to think about? I know when people do something to me, I want to do it back to them. That's natural. What Peter is saying is, as people come against you, the way that you respond, the way that you treat them, the way that you react, is directly tied to your relationship with Jesus. And as you're walking with Jesus and growing in him, your response can be that will point people who come against you, that will point them back to the living God. So Peter's saying there is so much at stake. And so we wanna show others what we believe by how we behave. Notice it's not by what we say. Many times as a Christ follower, it's easy to focus on just what we say. But I think what Peter is getting at and what we hear so much in this world is like talk can be cheap. A lot of times it's not what you say, it's it's actually the way that you live, the way that you react, the way that you respond. And so Peter is saying, live such a way and live differently that even as people come against you, even if you're misunderstood, even if you're labeled, that people will, they'll have nothing to say because they're seeing your life and it's different. Now here, I think some some wisdom that that Peter develops also is just this kind of way to respond. And the key is like, we don't actually have to be defensive uh, people. And so the best defense, you've heard this probably in sports, but the best defense is a good offense. And so notice Peter is, you know, promoting so much of how we actually live because now he's, you know, we know who we are. We're born again. We have new life. 
We've been given a new identity. We've been given this new family. We're part of the family of God. Now we can live like it. And so he wants us to get this to grasp. Like it's not just being defensive. It's, it's not when people curse us, we curse them. When they come against us, we come against them. It's actually, what can I do in this moment that shows the calling that I've received? That who I am just resonates from the inside out. We have a new name. We have a new family. We have a new identity. And Peter's saying is live like it. Live boldly. He goes on in 1 Peter 2, uh, 15. Let's read this together. It says, it is God's will that your honorable lives should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. Again, it's the Lord's will that if people come against you, what you say and what you do will have a direct impact on them understanding if God is real. He goes on in 1 Peter 2, 21. It says, for God called us to do good, even if it means suffering. Just as Christ suffered for you, he is your example, and you must follow in his steps. I love kind of the buildup that, that Peter is making in his letter. Again, he was a close follower of Jesus, and he wants everyone to get that we point back to him. Jesus is our example. And he knew that there was people that did not have the eyewitness accounts that he has, but he remembered vividly in his mind, the people that came against Jesus, and he saw with his own eyes how he responded. And it's like etched in his mind, when we're called to this new life, when we're called to this new family, we are to live like Jesus. And Jesus, he was not proud, he was not arrogant, he was not condescending, he was not deceitful, he was not hateful. In fact, let's read what, what Peter, how he describes him. First Peter 2 22, it says, he never sinned, nor ever deceived anyone. He did not retaliate when he was insulted, nor threaten revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God, who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Again, this is the call to be different. And notice again, the imagery, this darkness to, to, to light, this death to life. The old has gone, the new has come. And Jesus, by the very way he lived, he's pointing us to the way of his father. And this is the way of his family. We're gonna live life in such a way that's honorable, that will make a difference. Now we all know, you know, people have this kind of understanding of Christianity potentially as, as being hypocritical people. And I know in my own life, I have oftentimes said so much, but then my actions have not backed it up. In fact, when I was a freshman in college, God really got a hold of my life. And I was playing the game of Christianity. I could put on a good front, I could fake it. And I realized that as I was faking it, the bottom of my life was falling out. I had no substance. I had no richness to it. It was hollow. And what Peter is saying is for all of us, that just talk about it, but don't back it up with our life. It's the same. And he goes on and just, you don't have to stay that way. Remember who you are, and that will determine what you do. And then 1 Peter 3, 9, this is a challenge, I think, for all of us. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. 
Now, when I hear that, is there a part, you know, I know for me, when I hear that, I just think, how, how could that be real? Because for me, if people come against me, I just feel it kind of welling up inside me, like whatever they do, I wanna do back to them. Whatever they say, I wanna say back. I remember a few years ago, I was in line at Universal Studios waiting to get on the Harry Potter ride. And this line was long and we were together as a whole family. And right when we were kind of get, get to this part of the ride where we couldn't turn back, some of our kids had to go to the restroom. And we began to think like, oh no, how's this gonna work? So we, we got out of line, we're gonna have to start all over again. And so my wife took the kids to take them to the restroom. And as she was coming back, a man was not letting her get past her. And the man was kind of blocking her and kind of shoving her in a way and pushing. And she's like, excuse me, I need to get by. And he just was not letting her pass. And so she comes back and she tells me, you know, this man was blocking me and he wasn't letting me pass. And all of a sudden, that husband, that like the bear started to come out. And I thought like, which guy? And she pointed and I just started staring at him. And in line, I'm just staring him down. He, he begins to notice I'm staring at him and he begins to stare at me. And I'm just letting him know that I'm not gonna lose sight of him. I'm just keeping staring staring and I'm not smiling. I'm not flinching. I'm not blinking. I'm looking at him. I'm looking at him. And the whole time in my mind, I'm just thinking, I'm not going to, I'm not going to look away. I'm not going to back down. He did not let my wife pass. And so as I was locked on, all of a sudden I heard just this kind of phrase, I think from the Holy Spirit, from God himself, it's a trap. And that's what I sensed. I just, I just got that phrase in my mind. It's a trap. And I thought, well, what's a trap? And then I began to think like, well, what am, what am I doing right now? Am I gonna get in a fight in this line? I'm, how is that gonna work in front of my, my kids? I'm a, I'm a pastor, what, what am I thinking? All of a sudden, the, I was entrapped by my own desires inside of me, by the circumstance that I was found myself in, and I just was ready to retaliate. And as those words resonated, it's a trap. I realized like, this is not who I am. This is not who I have been called to be. And I looked away. And as I looked away, it felt like, oh, I lost. And I looked away. And then as he came back, he came and he actually initiated that he was sorry. And I realized in that moment, from me looking away and backing down, God was orchestrating something that I could not have done myself. He was softening this man's heart that he actually wanted to make it right. And as we talked, it was, it was like this moment that it just seemed like was so escalating into this conflict by the time he got to us, God had resolved it. And that's part of what Peter is saying, is there's things that are going on inside of us that kind of wage war. That's the old way. It's the flesh. It's the sin nature. And what Peter is saying is, is, you've been born outside of that. That's not who you are. You've been born again. You have new life. You don't need to live in the darkness anymore. And so I wanna bridge to our world and, and focus again on 1 Peter uh, 2.9. And this is what it says. Is it says, as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. And so as a result, that's referring back to the who, our new identity and our calling, the being born again, having the new family, the new identity. As a result, because that's who you are, what you do, and how you live is you need to show others the goodness of God. And so I just want you to just practically think right now in your life, just take a moment, who are some people in your life that you need to show the goodness of God to? 
If you're a follower of Christ, who in your life can you show the goodness of God to? Just take a moment to think that. Just come up with some names. Come up with some people. Just picture their face right now. Okay, so hopefully you've got some people in mind. So who can you show the goodness of God? Now, for me, oftentimes for me to get to that place, to kind of get just bridge to my world, to really focus practically, part of what I need to do is I actually need to focus on my own heart. Just like I did in line at Universal Studios, I realized there were some mixed motives going on there. And so right now, all of us are in this pandemic life. We didn't expect it. We don't want it but we find ourselves in a situation where it's a little bit more stressful. You might be burdened more than you ordinarily are. Your, your goals are blocked because you can't do everything that you want to do. Now, in those moments, um, I can react all sorts of ways. Well, one of the things is like we just can tend to detach from people. We just kind of pull away. And you may be someone who does that. You just, when the pressure gets on, you, you kind of pull away. You just detach. You take kind of a step back. The other type is, is when the pressure gets on, you might be someone who just, you focus inward. You focus on you and your goals and your family, everything, and it's just this tight, like, force field around your life. And you just pull in, and you just pull in, you pull in, and you just don't want any outside voice, any outside force out there. And what, what Peter is saying is actually, if you're a follower of Christ, that's not who you are. That's not who you've been called to be because you're in a position when the pressure mounts, just like they were on these early Christians, you're in a position now when you can show people the goodness of God. And so I just kind of thought uh, through some of these and I wanted to present, like, how could we show people the goodness of God? Well, here's just a list for you. The first is pray for those around you right now. There are people that are experiencing, again, circumstances they've never experienced before. Pray for your neighbors, pray for your coworkers, pray for your family, pray for your friends. When you wake up in the morning, just pray for those people that you relate to. Another way you can show the goodness of God, and this is real practical, is show up to work on time. When you're faithful, you're actually showing the goodness of God because you take your work and responsibilities seriously. That can seem like a little thing, but that actually says wonders about the type of person that you are. As you're relating to people, encourage, don't gossip. You may be drawn to learn things about people that you don't need to know. but Just be someone like, you know what, I'm gonna be in a position to encourage people with my words and to not speak bad about them. Another one is just remember the truth. Don't grumble. It's easy to be a grumbler or complainer. That's actually normal. We all do that. But be somebody that, you know what, in this time, you remember the truth of who you are. You remember the truth of God's word. Uh, Follow your leaders and encourage them. Peter talks so much in this uh, letter about authority. And so he talks about living honorable lives. A lot of times he's actually directing that to authority. And so as you have a leader in your life, in family life, work life, church life, wherever you find yourself under authority, follow those leaders and encourage them. And as you do, you're showing the goodness of God. A few more, be courageous and share your faith. Share people the fact that you've been born again and you have new life and that they can as well. It's not this exclusive circle. Share that with them and invite them to take steps towards God themselves. See a need and serve do something, see a cause and give, give something. And then when you mess up, as we all do, and we make mistakes and we say something we shouldn't, clean up. 
ask for forgiveness. So on this list, I don't know what resonates with you, but you've got people in your life right now that they are watching and they're in need and the way that you live is bridging them towards Jesus Christ. And so I encourage you, what you do makes such a difference. And then 1 Peter 2, 9, the, the last part of it says, for you could show people the goodness of God. And then it's the reminder, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Briefly, I wanna encourage anyone listening that has never decided to follow Jesus Christ as their leader, as their boss. For those people who've never decided to be a Christian, you may be just right on the edge. You might be ready, but you've just been kind of holding back. Well, I wanna encourage you, take the step to follow Christ. Take a step out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Because as you take that step into the light, you begin to see things. Oftentimes we're in the dark without Christ and we want everything to come together. If I only can figure this out or if I can only know this, but you can't see because you're still in the darkness. So I encourage you wherever you are, if you're not yet a Christian, you can decide today to be born again. And you can be adopted into God's new family. You can be given this new identity. And you can show goodness to others because you were called out of the darkness into his wonderful light. And so as I'm wrapping up, I encourage you, if you've not yet, uh, fill out the digital connection card. Uh, This helps us connect with you each week. And so I ask that you do that. You can do that uh, as this message wraps up, uh, fill that out. But if you've not yet become a Christian, on that digital connection card, there's a next step where you can say, I've decided to become a follower of Jesus Christ. If that's you and you just decide, you know, this is where I am. You may have been around Ridgeview for a long time and you've just been kind of waiting and waiting. And today could be the day where you decide to do that. If you're listening and you've maybe never even heard a Ridgeview service before, you're watching and you're trying to figure all this out, this calling can be true of your life as well. And so I encourage you, Mark that, like I've decided, if this is where you are, you can do that. If you just like more information, you can clarify more what that means and we'll follow up with you. And so mark that on the connection card. So just the perspective that Peter wants us to get, and I think this is just really good to end on, is this, is the darker the times, the brighter the light shines. And right now we're, we're kind of in a darker time. So much is unknown. We still don't know what's gonna happen. So as the darkness is just over coming and it's filling the communities and the families and the friendships all around us, he's called Christ followers to show the light of Jesus. And as the light comes, the darkness moves away. And so in the darker times, it's actually the brighter the light shines. And so here's my prayer for us. God, may my light shine. And as a church, God, may our light shine. Finally, we are called to more. And so if you've never decided to follow Jesus, you are called to more as you decide to follow him. If you are a Christian and you've already decided he's your leader, you are called to more. Again, knowing who you are determines what you do. And So this week, I pray that that will be true of us. So I just wanna end with some next steps. Again, you can just put this on your connection card. There's a place that says, what's your next step? And so I've given you some, some suggestions. You may have some that you want to 
kind of do yourself. And so I encourage you, kind of take, take that sense of what's in you. Like, I need to do this and, and follow up with that. The first thing is write out 1 Peter 2, 9 through 11. That's on your, your listening guide. And if you've not yet printed that, you can print it and you could see that and you could mark that on a three by five card. Just put it somewhere where you can see it. And as you see it, that will really help remind you of the who, the fact that we've been called to more. Second next step is pick two ways to show others the goodness of God this week. I had you think of somebody, a couple people, but then take that, well, what can you actually do? What can you do this week to show the goodness of God to them? The third next step is I encourage you to join a Bible plan. We're gonna be starting some Bible plans tomorrow for men and for women. And these plans are really kind of a step for us to get into God's word together. Because again, his word speaks to us. It encourages us, it challenges us. And so on your connection card for your next step, you could just write Bible plan and any other next step you wanna take. As you write that Bible plan, we'll send you this invite and everyone who signs up will be reading. Um, The guys, we're gonna do a plan together. The gals will do one. You'll be reading a scripture every day. And at the end of the day, or at the, when you've read it, you just can put some comments. And I think this is a great way for us digitally to kind of share what we're learning from the, the scriptures that we're reading. And so I encourage you to do that. And then the last next step, and this is important, is we wanna get in a position as a church to prepare uh, for Easter. And so I wanna encourage you to invite uh, some people in your life to our Easter service. Now, the way everything is headed, we're gonna be doing Easter Uh, obviously for the first time, like so many churches, we're gonna be doing Easter just online. There will be no physical service. Now I've spent a lot of time just kind of just being so bothered about that, all the things that we had planned. But here's what I know. God will still work as we celebrate the fact that his son rose from the dead. And everything that we've talked about today being called to more, that's what we celebrate on Easter. And so I wanna encourage you, share the link with a friend or a family member this week. It's ridgeviewchurch.com slash watch. And just say, hey, for Easter, we're gonna be starting a new series. And the new series is called My Story, Living the Story You Want to Tell. And we're gonna spend four weeks on this, beginning on Easter Sunday, talking about the fact that when you follow Jesus, you actually can live a different story. And we're gonna focus on how do we live a life and a story worth telling. And so I encourage you, just think through some people. There are people that are just looking, they're looking, they're looking. We need some hope, we need some perspective and God could use you to bring goodness to their life by just inviting them to experience our Ridgeview service. So I encourage you to do that. It's been such a pleasure being with all of you guys today. I'm so pleased to see all the ways God is working in our church, the connections, the way people are taking initiative with each other. I wanna encourage you to continue to do that. Continue to take initiative and to love those around you. God bless you guys. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your son, Jesus, who really has given us a new identity. We have a new family and we are called to more. God, thank you that we can escape darkness. We can escape just our own selfishness, and we can become part of something so much bigger and greater than ourselves. So God, I pray for anyone today that's watching, that's heard these scriptures, and they want this to be true about their life. 
I pray that you will soften their heart and they will take a step and decide today to become a follower of your son, Jesus. God, will your power work in us to share the goodness with those around us. In the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray, amen.